Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Football Excellence Podcast sponsored by Podium. I'm your host, Will Powell. And today we have Coach Wesley Bershaner on the podcast. Uh, coach Wes is the head coach at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, Division III school up in Wisconsin. And Coach Wes was my offensive coordinator back at the University of South Dakota, a Division I FCS school uh, back in the glory days. And Coach Wes has, has made stops uh, across FBS as well. Um, he was the quarterback's coach at the University of Maryland, and he also coached at Rice. He coached at Pitt. Uh, coach West is a high energetic, very compassionate guy. He is obsessed with the game of football, and I'm excited for, for our conversation today where we're going to talk about X's and O's, talk about building team culture, talk about recruiting across the different uh, levels of football that he's been a part of, and uh, our connection at South Dakota, of course. So uh, without further ado, here's Coach Wesley Bashaner. Coach West, welcome to the Football Excellence Podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. So good to see you. Will, uh, you look the same. You look the same. Just a little bit older. A few more wrinkles. I see that. That's good. Yeah, I got the wrinkles, <laughs> man. I got the same long hair. Everything's good. Everything's good. Well, Coach, so you were in the South Dakota Hall of Fame as the greatest quarterback in the history of the Yotes, and then you went on to coach there and eventually become the offensive coordinator very early in your career. What was yeah. that like for you? You coached me. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I coached. I think I was 23 or 24 when I was the offensive coordinator when I first was named it. And then, uh, crazy. yeah, really, really young, probably too young, but coach Meyercourt, um, love him. You know, he gave me an opportunity, like not a lot of people would, um, mm -hmm. start coaching there. And honestly, the, what was so unique about that is we had a really senior led team, uh, that year it would have been Noah Shepard senior year. And for mm -hmm. me, for you to say that I was the greatest quarterback, well, I don't know about that at South Dakota. There's been some good ones. Noah, uh, Chris Stravler, Austin Simmons, like that, that's a group mm -hmm. that is really, really good players. But it was awesome to have, um, you know, a guy like a guy like Noah to coach and him lead the offense. I was just there calling plays. I didn't do a whole lot. You know, the, the, yeah. the players really, really were awesome that year. And then obviously you were playing as a freshman that year and yes, you can remember sir. how good he was. And then Dante oh, yeah. came in again, you know, he was, a, he was a young kid when I first started going, but um, you know, so that's when I had to kind of put the, put the real head coach or not the real head coach, the real offensive coordinator. And I had to be like, all right, I gotta, we gotta tone Dante down a little bit sometimes, but he came out shooting and he was mm -hmm. great. Um, obviously you, you had a great year that year. I mean, that might've been mm -hmm. one of the best years just because um, we had some other really good players around you. And, yeah. you know, it was fun. That was so much fun being there and, you know, coaching at the alma mater. And then, obviously, tides change. Yeah, they, they, they certainly do. They certainly do. Well, and, and, and so, Coach, where did you go from South Dakota? And, and how did you decide that that was the right move for you? Well, um, Joe Glenn retired. And, obviously, I didn't get the head coaching job. So, I felt like it was probably time and best to move on, which it was. And uh, a job came open at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, mm -hmm. didn't, didn't know anybody there. This is what I thought was great uh, by their head coach, their offensive coordinator, who um, Pat Narduzzi was the head coach, and Matt Cannon was the offensive coordinator. But I thought this was great. Really, they um, I got my name in a little bit, and they had me just break down defenses. Hmm. And I thought that was such a unique way to do it. And apparently they liked what I, I broke down and became an offensive quality control and just – that step up, I guess, in division was, was something that excited me. Wanted to coach at the highest level at that time. And 
Um, mm-hmm. And we had and we had a great team that year. I mean, James Conner was that was his last year. Nate Peterman, Jester Wea, Quadri Henderson, Quadri Olson. I mean, there were some really really talented players on that team. Um, a lot of fun. So in your interview, they had you just break down some film, and that was like your interview process. So yeah, so to they asked for three games, and uh, Coach Narduzzi, if he ever sees this, I found another game online and uh, broke down four games. So uh, wow, you know that was they gave you three games. I I tried to find another game, searched high and low. Um, actually, Colby Feltz, if you remember that name, he helped me in our in our basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the GA at South Dakota, so he helped me in my basement. You know, didn't have all the right tools, but we eventually figured it out. Yeah, that's how I got on campus and uh, really just gave him a scouting report about like this, you know, just written out of every single player, you know, the tendencies that I saw. And it was awesome. I thought that was a great way to do it. Um, and he, I, I know he's hired some other guys since doing that. I think that's a, it's a really good way to kind of branch out and find different people. So that's how they got that job. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, and are the quality control positions the same, you know, at all universities or do they vary, you know, significantly from place to place? I think so. Um, you know, the places that I've been would be Pitt, Rice and Maryland. So those were all, everyone was similar, but a little bit different. When I first got there myself and a guy by the name of Eric Thatcher was on the defensive side and played at Pitt. That was the first year they had technically quality control coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, no, it was awesome. What we got to do, what we got to see, and you don't you don't get to coach, um, but you get to you know help as much as you can. Kind of a, a an early scouting mode, um, but you get to interact with players, just not on the practice field. And it's just it's a different way, and it took a step back for me, um, which I thought was really good. And it helped me in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And so you went from Pitt to Rice. Yep. And 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 that was. A, a pretty big adjustment too, right? Rice has incredibly high academic standards. So that somewhat limits your uh, recruiting ability, right? Yeah. And the guy that I worked for there was uh, David Bailiff and he's outstanding man, uh, a Texas legend that uh, had done an outstanding time at Rice. And it kind of, I think it was just, you know, a mixture of injuries, a mixture of a couple things and kind of the academic standards um, had, it's really difficult to get into uh, school there. And, but I do think that if you're looking at that, there is a, you're looking at the top 5% of the people in the United States, as far as graduating seniors that can get into rights. And then you're looking at hopefully the top 5% of football players in Texas. So right. it, it made it, it made it really cool on who you could offer. And it, what was, I thought was so cool about it was when a kid got an offer from rice, um, like that's a big moment in their life. You know, it's like really? getting an offer from Stanford or getting an offer. I mean, you're one of the best academic institutions in the country. And if a kid from Texas gets an offer from Rice, they go, holy smokes, this could set me up for life. So I thought that oh, was God. really, really cool. Uh, the players were awesome. We just – we we kind of ran into a, a little bit of a buzzsaw of a ceiling of the season. We just we, – we were about – you look back at a game at FIU, they were, it was a home game, and we just didn't quite pull it out. And I think if we would have won that game, we could have changed the course of the season. And that's, that's, football. Mm, that's football. That's how she goes. That's how she goes. <laughs> we, we had a lot of those my senior year when we went 1-10, yeah. man. Yeah, uh, was, and just think about where we'd been. You know, we'd been Minnesota. I mean, there's been mm-hmm. – you know, we'd beaten some big teams years, privacy, or years previous. Mm-hmm. And I look back at – 
you know, that would have been, it was the Missouri State game. And we had a chance to win that game. And it was like fourth and something. And we let a ball go overhead. And then we come back and we missed a ball down the sideline, left sideline. I can tell you, you know, I remember all those yeah. plays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If we had won that game, they could, could have changed the course of the season. Same thing, Illinois State, they were at home. We lose by three. I mean, I remember that it game. De- it was just a devastating season. I mean, yeah, we were so really close difficult. to winning all of them. And yep. we went one in ten. Yep. So. so, yeah, that was similar to Rice. Rice, you know, we were – really close um and just just couldn't quite get there and you know interesting well and then you went from rice to maryland yep which was awesome what what were some of the differences when you when you got to maryland well just you know it was there was a lot of um there's a lot of similarities in all of them right and, mm-hmm. and fortunately I got to coach with guys that I'd coached with before. Matt Canada was the offense coordinator. He became the interim head coach and uh, Dave Bukar, he was the tight ends coach. Uh, Matt Tomshow, he was a GA. He's now with us as the receivers coach. And, um, you know, we came out guns a blaze and we beat, we beat Texas. Uh, we just, we, we had, a, we did a great job uh, there. I thought, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying that like myself, but I thought coach Canada did his, as good a job as anybody. We went through a little bit of a trial there at the beginning of the season, and then uh, not a little bit, a significant trial. And then, um, you know, we take it Ohio State, which they, you know, they were as good as they could. They had Demar, ha- Demar Haskins or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne Haskins, excuse Dwayne me, Haskins, and, yep. yep, Dwayne Haskins, and uh, we took them to to overtime. Went for it, went for two, which was the right call, and we missed it. Mm. Um, you know, and that's uh, that was. That was at a great experience, great kids. You know, they went through a really rough, a rough time in the summertime there. And I just, I think they gelled really well. Uh, I think we led or were second or led the Big Ten in rushing. And we had some, mm. you know, really, really talented players on the team. A couple of guys are playing in the NFL now. And, and, and of those FBS programs you've been a part of, I mean, were there any what did Maryland stick out athletically way more than Pitt and Rice or you know are they all pretty similar or what did that what did that look like I think a Big Ten athlete looks a little different than some of the other athletes but at the same time I mean at, at Pittsburgh I mean we had a guy James Connor you know he's a freak <laughs> you know what freak. I mean yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah yeah just dude and um he'd been coming off of uh having leukemia you know, and, and right. he, so that was the story. next year. Yeah. Just a great story. Just, you want to talk about an, I don't know, a warrior of all different types and just mm. a great person. Um, you know, Nate Peterman was an outstanding quarterback. I'm just trying to thank you. Quadri Henderson. Uh, I think he's with the Steelers now. I could be wrong, but he was, he was a punt returner, kick returner and jet sweep guy for us. He was an all American that year. Um, I'm trying to think of the defensive guys, their names are slipping, but you know, some of those guys are uh, finishing up their career now. And those are really good players uh, at Maryland, obviously a big 10, those big 10's good football. Now I, I don't want to mm-hmm. compare like ACC and the big 10's better. It's, <laughs> every week is a game, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a buzz yeah. It's like the Missouri Valley. A hundred percent. And then, you know, the Conference USA is a little bit different, but there's a lot of kickbacks. That it's just – it's all really good football. And, and I think the moment that you accept that it's really good football and the teams really go, okay, this team at any point in time, if we're not at our level best can beat us, that's when it's pretty special. Similar to this conference. This conference that we're in now is outstanding. Well, and, and how did your time at those FBS pro, uh, programs prepare you for your, your time as head coach at UW-Euclair? I mean, yeah. 
you, you just, you learned so much. You made so many connections and, and so many different schemes and, and were under so many great coaches. I mean, that's got to put you in an incredible position to succeed at a division three level. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that's what you're trying to do. I mean, I've learned yeah. so much from all the coaches that I've worked for, whether it's uh, coach Meyercourt, coach Glenn, just thinking head coaches, Pat Narduzzi. I mean, there's some good coaches there. Um, and coach Bayless, coach Canada, like, there's some really, really good coaches. So I think you got to kind of find your own, your own identity to a point. I mean, certainly I've used pieces from everybody, I think, and tried to make it my own. Uh, and because you got to be your own guy, and I think everybody understands that. But certainly you got to grab from somebody. And there's good, bad, and um, you know, great from every single coach, and certainly from me. Um, you know, hopefully mm -hmm. my coaches and other coaches that are coaching for us now, you know, hopefully they see some good things out of me and then right. hopefully they see some bad things and they go, I'm never doing that. And I think it's so important. Um, you know, I, I, I played under a guy named Glenn Caruso and, you know, he, he's taught me a lot as well. Um, you know, he's just up the road at St. Thomas, but yeah, uh, I know Coach being that, yeah, yeah, being the head coach at Eau Claire has been, um, it's been awesome. You know, been here, haven't had to move around as much. My wife loves that a little bit more. It's a great city. Mm -hmm. It's a great town. And uh, we got great kids. Fantastic. Well, and what are some of the, you know, challenges that you, that you face or some of the, the great things that you face now that you're at a division three program? I mean, is recruiting more difficult? Is it easier? How is it? What are the types of kids that you're trying to attract in Wisconsin versus at Maryland, for example? Yeah. So I will start with the is it easier? Is it more difficult? I think it's really similar. It's about the people. And I do, it's about the players on your team. They have to be great recruiters. I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. um, it's about the, the coaches on the team. The thing that is different um, is from my time in South Dakota. Yeah, uh, you know, guys that come in at South Dakota typically are partial scholarship guys. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of bidding against other teams, uh, whether right. it's, you know, Northern Iowa, South Dakota State, those uh, North Dakota State, you know, you're bidding against some of those other teams here. It's essentially 11 playing field, just like division one, like it's a full scholarship. And I think mm -hmm. that's, it's a lot more similar that way, as far as just the challenges are similar that way. Now you've got to, you've got to worry about, and it's, it's life, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Facilities. You got to worry about the type of education. Fortunately here, the education we have is, is as good as any in Wisconsin. Um, mm -hmm. Where we recruit, I think we have an outstanding spot in Eau Claire. It's about 70,000 people, so that helps. Um, we're a little bit bigger than some of the other towns. Now, mm -hmm. certain guys might not like that as much. I know that, that uh, young Will Powell would have loved that. I would have loved that. You know that. <laughs> you know that. Been, that might have been dangerous. <laughs> I know. So I would have had, had you. I would have had you. We had a number 17 here. So um, anyway, no, it would have been uh, – so I think it's, it's – there's so many similarities and there's so – there so it is different uh, but I will say that just in recruiting in the past since I've been coaching literally since even you know you were recruited or as you graduated recruiting has sped up so fast and I think that is the telltale sign of seeing some of these coaches leave early um, you know some of these uh, whether it's uh, Bob Stoops or, or Coach Peterson like these guys are leaving early it might I don't know I, I assume it's from recruiting a little bit because um, you're you're on the road a lot. And mm. here it's the timing's a little bit different. I will tell you with this thing going on, the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. we're trying to speed up recruiting. We're trying to speed it up and see what interest we have. And I think we've had some really great interest. 
Um, I will say the difference between Division One, FCS, and Division Two and Division Three is you're not on the road as much at Division Two, Division Three, um, FCS. Uh, in Division One, FBS, you're on the road from really April fifteenth until May whatever, and then you're on the road again for camps. So you're gone a lot, um, and that can take a toll on your family. Um, you know, so those guys are getting paid pretty well. So it. it you know, there's a balance, and what's the balance? And I think every coach is worrying about that. Now, the FBS coaches or Division Two, Division, you gotta, you gotta be a part of your football team. You know what I mean? You can't be so worried about the next Will Powell. I've got to worry more about the Will Powell on my football team. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's totally. that's kind of the the balance that we're all facing. And that's fascinating to hear that balancing the players that you have versus the players that you have to continue to bring in to make sure that your program is successful over the long term. Right. And, and you talked about how recruiting has sped up since even my days of playing. How is it, what do you mean by that, that it's sped up? I mean, yeah, just going into uh, more detail about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't remember exactly. Well, I'm pretty sure we offered you a camp. Uh, or did we offer you yeah. before camp? I think you did offer me at camp. Yeah. Yep. I think we offered you at camp. So a lot of these kids are, you know, again, let's go FBS down, but FBS t teams, there's probably, you know, the kids that are big 10 slash ACC, those again, that's kind of where we're at um, geographically as far as coaching right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Those kids have 25, 30 offers already. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's, and that's just based on film. And mm -hmm. those kids have, and then now, like uh, the Division Two schools are offering so many kids that they've never offered. They they used to wait till camp. Well, that's not happening. They're offering kids before they see them in camp. Um, Why? Which, just because they, I think they feel the need. Hmm. I think they feel the need, and um, shoot, Division Three schools are offering now. They're offering hmm. kids. They can't. I mean, they're offering them roster spots and. Right. They're offering them a spot on the team, which I think is great. It's just, you know, you got – there's a balancing act, I think, like you said, um, on – because some of those kids, you know, you had – how many offers did you have, one or two? Yeah, I had like three offers. Right, and you were a tremendous player. Had 200 yards against the Minnesota Gophers. Think about how many yeah. guys you burnt. And I'm not trying to be like mean or anything, but how yeah. many guys you burnt that had multiple offers um, out of high school. Yeah, so there exactly. is the there is the balancing act and. Uh, Davo Sweeney, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, the guy that just went in the first round, Isaiah Simmons, I think I mean, they beat him on just like some smaller Division One schools, and he's one of the best players mm. that I've ever seen. Literally, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. So, um, Andrew Van Ginkle, he's a guy, you know, we did, we waited late, and, you know, he's playing in the NFL now. He went to the Badgers mm -hmm. after South Dakota, but um, I don't know, it's, it's such a it's such a balancing act. I think, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about it, but how much time do you spend on the guys that are in your program mm -hmm. versus, versus the guys that you want in your program? Right. Because, you know, that's, that's the hard thing for me. And I think it is for every coach. Well, and, and you talked about, you know, some of these coaches leaving the, the game early. Do you really think that's because they're just getting burnt out on the recruiting because it's never ending and it's just, it's, it's so competitive. Yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I don't. Um, I love it. I love the recruiting aspect. I really do. I think mm -hmm. it's uh, a lot of fun. But I could see that, like, if you're on the road a lot and you're you're hitting the pavement, you're on in a plane, in and out of a plane, like, it can wear on you. Now, right. you just got to – you got to – I think that's that's what it comes back for me as a coach is 
actually being around my players or our players energizes mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? That's totally. that energy. Yeah. That energizes me. And I think at some point maybe that it's, yeah, we got to find that like balance in life that we're looking for. Definitely. Well, now, talk, now focusing on the players that you do have in the program, I mean, what are your strategies to build team culture? I mean, what are some of your mottos or quotes that you structure your program, program over to get guys to buy in, to play at their highest level? Whew, um, we're working on it every day, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the one thing that I've, I've really kind of – things that take me back to playing and being on some really good teams, being around some really good teams, remote team unity is a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. You know, where are you guys hanging out? I know when you, you were obviously in college, everybody hung out near the river. You know, those are like mm-hmm. some of the best times of your life. And that's, those were the best teams. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. remote team unity is a big one. Um, you know, who do you, your best friends, your teammates, you're not, that's not typically built in the locker room or the weight room. No. It's, it's, it's galvanized there on the practice field and all that, but it's built outside of the locker room, the weight room, mm-hmm. the practice field. It's galvanized in those places. Um, so I think we talk about a, a lot about that. Um, talk about be where your feet are. I think that's, I got that from a coach. And um, be where your feet are means if I'm here with Will Powell, this is exactly where I'm at. I can't be Mm -hmm. worried about this damn thing. Mm -hmm. I can't be worried about what's on Twitter, what's on Instagram. I can't be worried right now about my kids fighting in the background. You probably hear them, but I've got to be right here with you, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think if we talk to our kids about that in life, whether it's at school or it's uh, in, in the classroom or with, you know, in the dorms or wherever they're, their houses. um, Like if they're right there and they're intentional with what they're doing, they're probably going to be pretty successful and they're going to be friends. Cause that's, that's when you're friends with somebody, when you're, you're interacting with them, when the dude's sitting there and just kind of sitting on his phone and like, you're like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, so you know, that's, those are the things we talk about. Try real life things. I think. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, the, the teams where, you know, you, you got, you, you don't have a ton of clicks because I think it's easy for teams to have clicks where guys yeah. don't really hang out with each other. These clicks don't intermix. Um, but when you have guys where there's a mutual respect on the program, they're having fun on and off the field, yeah. then there's going to, the chemistry is going to be stronger when the game time comes. Right. No doubt. You, you, you hit it just on the head. Yeah, there is. Certainly, there are a little bit of clicks. There are always going to be. Mm-hmm. But it's when those juniors and seniors hang out with the freshman and sophomore. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're going out there just chugging beer or whatever, because that's not what it's about. It's, that's, that's not real life. But, but they're, mm-hmm. they're hanging out together. They're, you know, they eat at the dining hall together. That's one thing I think is great about here. Um, the many things that are. But, like, our players have a spot in the dining hall that, like, everybody just kind of hangs out. And everybody, mm-hmm. like I always see, I always go down there, whether I'm getting a coffee or go to see my wife who works on campus and um, see everybody like that. That's cool to me. That I think is um, sometimes the difference. And I know that's the difference, to be honest with you. Like, like we spoke, we played the same place, but we, our thing was like, we went to the river and everybody would show up. Some guys would everybody. show up really early. Some guys would show up a little bit later. Some guys would be in the middle, but at the end of the day, everybody was there. Everybody was having a good, and everybody was having a good time. Like those are the best moments that you can think of outside of just, you know, obviously great games and all that. Like those are some of the best things that we did. And um, 
I'm trying to think of all the things that, you know, there was. <laughs> I mean, there's some things yeah. that we can't even talk about. I mean, yeah, the, right? the, the, fr the freshman chugs back in the yeah, day. Yeah, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, we can't go there. Yeah. Well, so um, shifting to the focus, like, you know, you're an offensive minded guy, you were a quarterback in college and you want to become offensive coordinator. How has your offensive scheme developed over the years from when you were at USD to transferring through FBS to now at what do you, what are you running now uh, at UW Eclair? Yeah, uh, it's, it's changed dramatically. I would say um, it's changed dramatically and uh, simplifying things, simplifying formations, motions, allowing our players to play uh, really fast. Obviously, uh, learned a lot from Coach Matt Canada. He's helped me a ton. Um, guys on our staff at that time were, you know, just taught me a lot. Obviously, the head coach, Pat Narduzzi, taught me a lot. And just, you know, mm -hmm. trying to simplify the, the game as best you can. Like, we, we complicate it. We, coaches can screw it up, to be honest with you. Um, and it's just, it's evolved. The game has evolved. Uh, more more no huddle stuff, shifting in motion, and just, you know, just change the tempo as much as we can. Find the best player, get him the ball any way we can. And then you got mm -hmm. hopefully you have two or three of them. And um, if your quarterback's not great at throwing it, run it. If your quarterback's not great at throwing it, hand the ball to your best receiver. You know, just stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I think um, we've I've changed a lot. And obviously, you know, sometimes like when we went to Missouri Valley, you talked about that last that your last season was a difficult one now. And mm -hmm. we we evolved even from there. And it was right. we had to. Um, we weren't right. quite prepared collectively we had some great players but we didn't have quite as many as some of the other teams did so mm -hmm. we had we had to evolve really quickly and we went to the big sky um you don't know but you yeah know we I mean? do know <laughs> it, yeah but you know what i mean it was just it was it that's a totally different conference and i think mm -hmm. it was going into that count like we had to evolve and then i think just watching um you know, the, the way the game is played and, and seeing it, I think everybody is evolving somehow, some way. And uh, you're not seeing as much just fast, 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 like we saw maybe five years ago. And you're seeing not just shifting emotion and huddling. It's, it's mm -hmm. I, think, I think everybody's understanding. There's so much information out there that you can get um, to simplify the game, I think is really good. Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, how are you guys looking at who, who are some of your biggest playmakers right now going into the, the 2020 season? That's a great question. Austin Blot, um, he's a really good player. He, I think he had 8.5 yards per carry, was top five in the country in rushing, and then he got hurt. Um, uh -huh. Jonathan Malik, our quarterback, got hurt. You know, we, we uh, beat St. Thomas there, ranked three or five or something in the country, took Whitewater to the very wire. Uh, he's back. Um, Nick Kudik is a freshman uh, that came in as a receiver, similar to you. You know, wasn't playing a ton as a freshman. All of a sudden, kind of found his feet. And then he started playing. He, he started doing a great job. Mm. Uh, we got a, a linebacker that is a monster. We graduated a two-time All-American at Sam Romanski. Um, but we got a, a linebacker that is – he's a beast now. <laughs> he's, yeah? Yeah, I mean, he's okay. Victor Martinelli. Um, you know, so there's some Drew Schrader's a tackle for us. He's a really good player. I mean, we got some good players. We just got to continue to to recruit depth. And I think you know, you knock off one of those teams, you just keep chipping away. You know what I mean? You just mm -hmm. keep stepping forward. And I think get three percent better, one percent better every day. We can succeed. Yeah, for sure. And and back to the recruiting a little bit. You know, 
if you're recruiting a really talented guy who may have some offers from an FBS program or FCS program or Division Two, what is your pitch to that player as to why your program makes more sense, where maybe you can't offer as much money? True. Um, so, yeah, that's a great question. So we probably – I would be – they would call me a recruiter of the year if I beat somebody that's an FBS school or an FCS school. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's <your> school. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but Division Two is obviously NSIC. My brother coached there, and they're, you know, he's at Mankato. They played the national championship. Remember Jimmy Glow? There's a lot of yeah. South Dakota ties on that team uh, or coaching staff. But, um, you know, we recruit against that conference, and that conference is Division Two school, and they, you know, they can divide their money up quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You can give a kid anywhere from $200 to a full ride. Right. Um, so – so just the cost of school, the education that our school may provide that their school might not provide. I try not to talk too much. Um, and I think you know that about me, Will, but I try not to talk too much about other schools. Right. I think if you're doing that, I, I just, I truly don't believe in that. Like mm-hmm. somebody's going to be like, well, Coach Bichonner's only been there a year. He's been a couple, I was in South Dakota for 10 years, 15 years total. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can say whatever they want about me not being at one spot for a bunch of time, but I've been there. I've done mm-hmm. that. Um, exactly. So we try not to talk about other teams too much. Um, we try to talk about what we do that we think is good and what we think that we're, we're maybe different than other schools. Again, I don't know. I've never coached at another WAC school. I do know that they got really good players, though. And whatever they've been doing, they've been doing a really good job. And I'll admit it. It's, you know, I think uh, that's – you kind of admit what you aren't and you admit what you are. So um, just – trying to beat those schools. I think it's the quality of education that you can get here. And then just the cost of school, like return on investment. We talk a lot about mm-hmm. how much you're putting towards. That's why this conference is so good. It's very inexpensive to go to school in, in the WIAC. And uh, I think pretty much all the schools, I think ours included is uh, a great academic situation. Well, I, I mean, I think people outside of that Midwest area don't realize how talented right. that, that conferences that you guys are in. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a beast now. Like, yeah. I mean, we are in the big 10 at coaching and we are in the ACC and top to bottom. You're talking like it's a dog fight every week. And I mean, mm-hmm. so are those conferences. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but it's, it's a dog. It's very similar to Missouri Valley. Like everybody's like, if you win the Valley that think about that, if you win the Missouri Valley, typically you're going to, you have a chance to win the national title. And I know it's been North Dakota state, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of that school because, because of where I was. But, I mean, it, it's, it yeah. is what it is. So, yeah, you yeah. win that conference. If you win that conference, I think uh, Youngstown might have won it or, or Illinois State might have won it a couple years ago. They played the national championship. It's crazy. Like, it's the same thing with our league. You win this conference, like, you've already beat 90% to 99% of the best teams in the country. Right, right. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's yeah, phenomenal. It's, it's unbelievable. So, we just got to raise our game. <laughs> got to, got That's to, right. got to. Well, so coach, as, as we're getting close to bringing this to an end, I mean, why are you, why do you continue to coach today? Why have you decided to make coaching your career and, and allow it to take so much of your life? Because we all know how convenient <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. Um, know, the camaraderie, the, the guys that you're around, I think is just what I got from the game is probably the biggest thing. You know, I would not be anywhere near I wouldn't have my wife I wouldn't have my kids if I did not play college football um Mm -hmm. 
I, I wouldn't have moved to the places I moved if I didn't play college football. And just like we talked probably uh, pre-show, just the ability to have an impact on somebody's life, I think is awesome. Certain guys, and you know it, I know it as a player and as a coach, certain guys are going to let certain coaches in a little bit more than others. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, just in my experience and kind of where I've been, which has been awesome, I, 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 haven't feel, or I feel like I can get to a lot of different types of people, um, whether you come from a farm, whether you come from the inner city, whether you come from the south, the north, the west, the east. I just feel like, you know, as long as you're teaching them something, like football players, that's what they want. They want information to how to get better. And not mm-hmm. just on the football field. It's, it's interesting. Like most guys, for the most part, want to get better at a little bit of everything. Whether it's yeah. school, whether it's how they act. And if you can give them just a tidbit of information, like it goes a long ways. There's a, there's a guy that I coached or did not coach with. He coached me, uh, Mike Friedel. You obviously know the Friedel family. I know but, Coach um, Friedel. Yeah, well. he's, he's awesome. And – there's some things, you know, he's gone and um, he's a phenomenal man, but just some of the things that he told me um, and it just, it's always rung true. Like it just stuck with me. He has, I mean, his family might know, but um, he probably had no idea when, you know, he got done talking to me that that was going to be like a lasting impact. And Mm -hmm. it certainly has been. So um, outside of my, you know, mother and father and uh, brothers, you know, my football coaches have been uh, the guys that I've leaned on the most in my life. Absolutely. That's so cool to hear. And I I couldn't agree more on the fact that sometimes the simplest things that coaches say that are so basic, like finish the play, like, you know, wake up on time, be punctual. (laughs) Don't, don't talk shit to other people. Like these basic things, like they stick with you and they create great young men at the end of the day, a lot of the time. Yeah. I, I truly believe that. And it's, um, yeah, it's it. Football has changed my life, and I know it's changed your life. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just think if you didn't play college football, you know what? It would just your life would be totally different, Completely different. 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 And and I think that's what I think everybody understands. And um, once you get into it, you start and you don't know it right away, but you start getting that momentum about your year two, year three, and you're like, oh, this this can be something cool. Like this is gonna help mm-hmm. me for the rest of my life. And I think you get, I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. Like, I think it's awesome. So same, I love, same. Yeah. I love it. And I love your energy. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> why, that's why you are going to excel at uh, UWU, Claire. I'm so, it's so excited. I appreciate that. And uh, it, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, Absolutely. It's been too long. Yeah, no doubt, man. I wish we, I'd give you a big hug. You know how we did it. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The greatest, the greatest ever in South Dakota history and wearing number 17, Will Powell. <laughs> that is very debatable because this man yeah. worked first. <laughs> but um, but anyway, well, Coach Wes, best of luck this offseason, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, sure. All right. I love you, buddy. I'll see love you soon. Love you too, man. Okay. Right. That's another episode for the Football Excellence Podcast. You guys take care. Bye.